0: Good morning, Refugee Church. How are we doing this morning? It looks bright in here. I'm loving the light situation you guys got going on. Who is a part of putting that together? We got a show of hands. Nobody in here? Oh, out in the back. All right. The one guy in the back. What a day for you, sir. Wow. So I am so excited to be here. For those in the house who do not know who I am, and that should be the majority of you guys, because I'm not at this church, if you guys were wondering. Uh, My name is Eddie, I'm one of the pastors over at River City Church, and we're a church that has a campus in Bartlett. We also have a campus in Arlington, and I have the privilege of being the next gen and also the campus pastor uh, at our Bartlett location, and I'm really, really excited to be here this morning. Uh, I've known a lot of the the, the refuge folks, the leadership, for for quite a while. Uh, Scott has been a friend of mine for years. Uh, Our lead pastor, Jonathan and Scott, are really, really close and uh, they've actually, we've actually had Scott at our Barlett campus a couple of times for some series that we've done over the years, and we absolutely love the Refuge Church and what God's doing in this community through you guys, and uh, also, we've actually been using this facility, if you didn't know, as a childcare spot for our Arlington community groups for years, and uh, we are thankful for you guys and how you guys uh, just are passionate about the community, passionate about Jesus passionate about just seeing other churches thrive in your own, literal own space. And so thank you guys for just having us as a church uh, to bring our kids and to have a time every other week to do that. And, uh, you know, just to tell you a little bit about myself, I've been married for almost 14 years to my wife, Ashley. We've got two kids, Olive, Olive, that's right, her name is Olive, not Olivia, Uh, and Lincoln. Um, If you're familiar with the town car or the president, that's where we kind of figured out his name. And uh, we absolutely love living in the Bartlett community. We've been there for pretty much our entire marriage and most of my wife's life and a little bit of part of my life. And uh, we absolutely love what God is doing in the 901. And we've just, you know, been on a journey uh, as a family and as a, as a church uh, to just see more of what God is up to. And what's great is that you guys are in the same vein. You guys are in the same plane, the same track as well. And uh, it's just an honor. I got asked, uh, I guess, about a week ago if I could come and speak Um, this morning, and it didn't take me about 30 seconds to commit to doing it, because I really wanted to, to help in a way that was gonna be helpful for you guys. And I just wanna start off this morning by telling you a little story about when I was a boy. When I was a kid, I absolutely loved school. Like, I loved everything about school, from elementary school to middle school to high school. School, for me, was the coolest place to be. And you might be thinking, Eddie, that doesn't make any sense, because every time I was in school, I was doing my best to get out of school, And when a break would come up, I was completely like really, really loving it. For example, this past Friday, right, we had some snow on the ground. My daughter was so ready to not have school that she woke up with a headache, with dizziness, with uh, her stomach was bothering her, and she had three or four other things ready to go in the event that school wasn't canceled so that she could stay home with me. And then, of course, me being me, and some of you guys know me, some of you guys don't, I was like, do you have a fever? She said, I don't, I don't know. I was like, well, let's take it real quick. So we took her temperature, nothing. 36.3 degrees Celsius, everything was fine. Why are thermos, thermometers stuck on, on Celsius degrees? I have no idea. But we were like, okay, so, so have, you, have you gone to the bathroom? Is your stomach still bothering you? She goes, no, 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 no. Have you thrown up? No, 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 no. Uh, so what's the deal? And basically, she was like this. I don't want to go to school today. And I said, I have no idea why not. For me, the school was the coolest place in the world to be. I mean, I loved everything about it. I love the desks. I love the, the cafeteria food. I love spending time. I'm not kidding. I absolutely woke up. I mean, we never, mom never packed a lunch for me. It was, you're taking your lunch. I'm bringing, you know, the money for you. I, want, I need the chocolate milk, mom. I need the hash browns. I need the Crespitos. I need all those. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I need all those things in me, man. I love my friends that were there. I love walking down the hallways. I love when we got lockers. Getting a locker was the coolest thing ever. We just, you know, put the lock on there and then every other week your lock would be gone somehow. What was that all about? Whatever whatever it was, when it came to school, I absolutely loved it. I don't know why it was. It could have been just an absolute, just, you know, combination of all those things that made school school, even to the point where when winter break was wrapping up, I was ready for it. When summer break was wrapping up, I was like, we have two more weeks of summer? Come on, it's time to register. It's time to get back in there. I'm ready. But y'all, there was one thing that I thought was absolutely unbelievable when it came to school. It was one thing that we got to do at the end of the semester, at the end of the school year that was just a game changer for me. It was one of those things that just thrilled, not only me, but my other classmates who weren't as fond of school as I was. It was this thing where not we, we had this opportunity to go to the, to the blackboard, because we had blackboards back then, right? It wasn't like magic boards and like, like computer boards now they have in my kids' classrooms. There was an actual blackboard on the wall, and we had the opportunity, and, and correct me if you didn't have this opportunity, and if you didn't have this opportunity, I feel so bad for you. I really do in your school experience. But we had the opportunity to clean the chalkboards. Do you guys remember doing that? And I'm not talking eraser. I'm talking get the wet sponge, dip it in the bucket, and going right to left, top to bottom, <laughs> cleaning the chalkboard. Y'all remember this? And then you get done with it and you're like, oh my gosh, can we do it again? And the teacher's like, no, 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 put the, put the sponge down, it's done, it's over. And I don't know why that just thrilled me so much, but it really just, man, I was just fired up every time I had the ability to go from like a chalk, cleaned chalk, chalk you know, erased chalkboard to a, to a clean chalkboard. It just, it meant so much to me. It just looked so much better. I mean, the chalk was ready for just, you know, the ability to write again. And then I thought about that when I was thinking about this particular talk that I'm about to deliver to you guys this morning, and how we've just began a brand new decade, what, five, six weeks ago? We just began a brand new year five or six weeks ago, and how for every time a new year rolls around, every time a new fresh year, would it be 2018 or 2019 or now 2020, like this new decade is here, we have in our hearts and our minds much like this blackboard that was wiped down, we have what's called a clean slate, don't we? A clean slate. We feel like we can step into a new year and just do some new things, don't we? And I don't know about you, but I'm a list guy. I like to set goals. I like to, 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 to plan things and, and just really just take inventory on where I was in the last year and going into the new year. I'm a resolutions guy. Like I, I, I believe in those things. I think they're important And I can remember putting down things on my lists year after year after year, and maybe you guys are the same way. And it's just something about it. There's an energy to the new year. There's an energy to the new decade. There's just this thing where for us, we're like, wow, okay, so what I didn't do that I wanna do in 2019, I now, because of the new year, get the opportunity to do that. And maybe that was you in January. I know that was for definitely me in January. But isn't it also true that when we get into the new year, a little further into the new year, maybe for you, maybe it's like now in February, you've looked back at your resolutions list and you're like, hey, I don't know. I, I wanted to get in better shape. I went to the gym for the first three weeks of January, but now I've missed like two or three days in a row. Or maybe for you, you're like, hey, I really wanted to kind of clean my diet up. I wanna eat healthier. I wanna have a better just view of what my plate should look like. And, and, and you did phenomenal through the month of January, but, but Super Bowl Sunday hit. And you're like, hey, hey right? Or maybe for you, you're like, hey, I'm not a reader. I want to be a reader. I want to read more. I want to get into some books. I want to, I want to just, you know, really stimulate my mind and do some different things in 2020 that I did in 2019. And you came out like gangbusters, but then you got, went to bed one night and you were going to read, but you decided not to read. And you feel like, oh no, I missed that, that window to read. And now it's just night after night after night where you just haven't had that moment to really spend some time reading whatever it is you wanted to read maybe for you as a relationship, and you were like, you know, I, I, I want to get better at, at being a friend to the people in my neighborhood. So you maybe you set up something in January where you're like, hey, I'm going to do this fun thing for our community, and it's going to be awesome, and then like I'm going to keep it up for, for, for month after month after month, and now it's February, and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do that again, because it was fun, but it wasn't that fun. Or man, I've just gotten so busy, I don't know if I have the time now. And, and when we get into those spaces where we We set these resolutions and we make these goals and we do all these things. For a lot of us, when we get to this time in the year, and maybe a little further along, maybe it's March for you, maybe it's April for you, we begin to feel like because if you're like me, you've looked at your resolution list or you've looked at the promises you've made or the hopes that you had for the new year, and you've found that you're just unable to keep up with what you put down. And for a lot of us, what ends up happening, for me in particular, is that I begin to feel like I just can't do what I've promised to do. That I really can't make the changes that I wanna make. That because the new year was so great and so awesome at the beginning, and now I'm getting into February, maybe even March, and as I get further along in the year, what I promised to do for myself, what I promised to do in this world is just not happening like I wanted it to happen. For a lot of us, I think that we feel like we fail. When we make these lists, we make these resolutions, we make these promises, and we, we just don't really stick to them. So what we end up doing a lot of times is we say, hey, I'm just gonna be who I was. I'm just gonna go back to the way it was because the way it was got me, I guess, to here, so that's okay, even if it's not what we ultimately want. And then for a lot of us, we say, hey, well, 2021's coming around the block. Maybe I can make those resolutions then. Maybe I can get back into the game then and be who I ultimately wanna be, do the things that I ultimately wanna do, whether it be diet, whether it be exercise, whether it be reading more relationships, spending more time in God's word, being who God ultimately has created you to be. Whatever your hope and whatever your resolution was for a lot of us, we feel like when it comes to a little further along in the year, we just can't be who we want to be. We have to go back and be who we were. What if I told you this morning that that doesn't have to be the case for you? That you don't have to look at what's upcoming in your life based on the failures of so far in this year for you, whether it be your resolutions or the promises, the hopes that you've made so far in this new decade, what if I told you you didn't have to have that mentality? What if I told you that you have an opportunity each and every day to do something new, to pick up a resolution, to be who God created you to be? Would that change things for you? Would that help your June look a lot more like your January? Would that help your October look a lot more like your January. Would you truly believe that, man, yeah, I absolutely can change if I had a different way of seeing things in my life? What's remarkable, friends, is we have a story found within God's word that I think can be a reminder for all of us on how we can view ourselves, not just at the beginning of the year, but in every day of the year for the rest of our days. It's a story found within the Gospel of Luke It's a story that, honestly, it's only found in the Gospel of Luke. For some reason, this Gospel writer, Luke, decided he was going to record this story about this guy having an encounter with this guy, Jesus. And as a result, there is something that I think that we can glean from this story that can help us take our resolutions, our promises, our hopes from the beginning of the year and allow it to be something that's going to affect us for every day of the year. So we're going to get into Luke chapter 19. We're going to read a story about a guy named Zacchaeus. Somebody say Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. There's a couple extra C's in there. There's an A before the E. It gets confusing, but it's still Zacchaeus. Am I right? Raise your hand if you've heard the story of Zacchaeus. That's a majority of you. We're good. We're We're all on the same team now. It's good. It's fantastic. Zacchaeus, for those who don't know, was a tax collector. And in the first century, that was not the job title you wanted to have. Zacchaeus was a guy who was hated among all the people in his culture. Think about that for a second. You have a job, a profession, a title that allows for you to have no friends. Your family has alienated you. They don't like you. Your culture doesn't like you. There was even a separate category of people when it comes to how people were described, especially with the gospel. There were sinners, there were tax collectors, and then there was everybody else. Tax collectors were the people that were put in charge by the Roman government at the time when this was written to take money from the people that they were oppressing, the Israel, the the, the people in Israel, I should say, the Israelites at the time. And they were basically told, listen, I want you to take what I want as a government from the people that you are a part of. And we don't really care how you do it. We honestly don't even care how much you take. We need this bottom line. And if you want to, you know, make a living for yourself, You're gonna need to take anything above that and then whatever it is left is whatever's left. Imagine that. The people in the community knew Zacchaeus was taking more than he needed to take in order to get rich off of the backs of the people that he was supposed to love. Maybe even his own family. Maybe even some friends that he had growing up. This guy in this culture is the worst of the worst. But not only that, He was the chief tax collector. So beginning in verse one, I wanna read a little bit of a story, his story and his encounter with Jesus and how maybe this can help us understand change and how me and you can be about change no matter what time of year it is. Verse one, chapter 19 says this, he, that's Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Not only was he a tax collector, he was a really, really rich tax collector, the top tax collector. This guy was really good at his job. Luke was laying it on pretty thick about how trashy this dude was. He was the opposite of good. He was the, the, the epitome of what you did not want to be in your culture. This is who Zacchaeus was. Verse 3, he was trying to see who Jesus was, because he was not able, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. Now, why Luke absolutely cuts this man deep on his height, I have no idea. But we all know that Zacchaeus was a what kind of man? A wee little man. And a wee little man was he. And every time you read this part, you get a smile on your face like I am right now. But for some reason, Luke decided, hey, I'm going to add this element to the story because it does matter. Of course, it matters. But he throws this in here, not as a jab, but as some detail as to what happens next. Verse 4. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Verse 6. So he came down and welcomed him joyfully. Now think about this. Zacchaeus is the worst of the worst. Jesus 19 chapters into the book of Luke has has pretty much laid out a pretty decent track record of how he treats people. He is considered probably the best of the best. And Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Why? Why Why does Zacchaeus want to see Jesus? Well, there was a crowd around Jesus. People were always like just fawning over him. They loved being around him. He healed people from things that were broken within them, broken on them, missing from them. And Zacchaeus just wanted to be the guy who could just put his eyeballs on Jesus. So he climbs up on the sycamore tree, and Jesus, passing through Jericho, not even going to hang out for a while, in the midst of the crowd, looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus and says, hey, man, I need you to come down so that we can go hang out at your house today. Now, from what I've heard growing up, this was a very familial phrase that was thrown out there to Zacchaeus from Jesus, what Jesus was basically saying is, hey, Zacchaeus, we're going to be friends today. So come on down out of the tree, buddy. It's time for us to go be friends now. That's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Because Jesus, who is the best of the best, just said to the worst of the worst, we're going to be friends now. So come on down out of your tree. Let's go onto your house and let's go have a meal together. Let's talk like friends talk. And this is what's even wilder, but it's also something that's very, very natural I think in the moment so of course he quickly comes down verse 7 it says all who saw it began to complain he's gone to stay with a sinful man like these people were making commentary about Jesus going to hang out with Zacchaeus because it was the craziest thing for anybody to have done in that time considering how religiously great Jesus was and how irreligiously just terrible Zacchaeus was So you have Jesus and you have Zacchaeus and these people are just saying, listen, what's wrong with Jesus? There's something the matter with this man who seemingly is just amazing and unbelievable and yet he wants something to do with this awful, disgusting human. And this is where all of us get like excited in the story. Verse eight, it says this, but Zacchaeus stood there, stood there and he said to the Lord, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. What? Not quite the reaction that I think for for many of us, if we were back then 2,000 years ago, we would expect it from Zacchaeus, who... Could have and probably should have just run away had he seen Jesus come into his presence or just not regarded him as anything at all. But Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, Jesus saw him and said, Hey, we're going to be friends today. And as a result, Zacchaeus began to just unpack and unload a a promise to Jesus. And the promise was, I'm going to give up half my possessions. Not an easy thing for rich people to do, mind you. They were super rich. And he was saying, half my stuff, half my stuff, I'm gonna give it to the poor. Oh, and, and Lord, if I've taken anything from anybody, if I've, if I've asked for more than I needed to ask, if I extorted money from folks in my community, I now have the good pleasure of going around to all those people and paying them back four times over. What in the world happened to Zacchaeus when he came down out of that tree? because it wasn't in a moment's notice before he goes from being someone who is reviled and completely disconnected from his community to someone who now has a friend in Jesus. And as a result, he's saying to everybody around him for who knows how long it takes, hey, here's what I owe you. Here's what I owe you. Here's what I owe you. Oh, I took you know, one times that amount, two times No, Here's four times what I took from you. What happened? Um, Jesus invited himself in is what happened. Jesus invited himself in is what happened to Zacchaeus, and the difference between Zacchaeus, who did not know God, to Zacchaeus, who is now going around and just giving everything else away is that Jesus said, hey, we're going to be friends today. Now, you guys, that is a remarkable story of redemption, of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, And then Jesus wraps all this up, right? At the very end, he says, for the son of man, for me, this is what my job is, is to seek. He pointed out Zacchaeus out of a crowd, a dude hanging out in a tree and said, hey, I want you to come down. And as a result of that invitation to a relationship, Zacchaeus in that moment was rescued. And and we look at this story and all that I can do when I read this, and I've read this many a time, is just be blown away by the grace and the mercy and just the love that God has for me. And for the worst of the worst, which for a lot of us, we don't think that's us, but when we're really, really just in our own just heads and hearts, we know that, man, God has forgiven us so much. And yet for a lot of us, we feel like We cannot change, and yet we have this story of Zacchaeus. We see what a man can do when he has this relationship with God presented to him, and I think we have a decision to make, don't we? Either we can lean in and say, yes, I can continue to change because of the God who is ultimately doing the changing, or I can stay who I've always been disconnected from what God ultimately wants me to do, which is to grow, which is to mature, which is to develop, which is to take these steps. The choice is ours. And we don't have to reserve this for the beginning of the year. This is something we can do absolutely every single day for all the years. And I think for a lot of us though, I think for a lot of us, we struggle with this story a little bit because our story is not quite as dramatic as this story, is it? I know mine's not. I grew up in church. My mom and dad loved Jesus. They brought me to church pretty much every Sunday morning. My dad sang in the choir. Those were the thing back in the 80s and 90s. And they were, man. Those, Those choir sessions were great. We had hymnals. It was awesome. And I remember spending a lot of time at church just Growing up and learning about Jesus, who he was, what he did, what he accomplished on my behalf. And I remember there was a moment where even I thought I was a Christian, fifth, sixth grade, I was like, man, I know Jesus. And then I had a conversation with one of my Sunday school teachers, because that was a thing too back in the 80s and the 90s. And I remember having a conversation with him and him telling me, Eddie, I know you're a Christian because of what you know about Jesus, because of just how you answer questions in class because of just how you just act and react to things. And what was interesting in that moment is I thought, I don't know if I know what he's talking about. And I don't know if I really, truly in my guts, in my heart, have had that change take place. But for the next couple of weeks, I I, I processed that and I prayed about that. And in a moment, a few weeks later, I did give my life away to Jesus. And it wasn't some dramatic, super duper, ridiculously, like, I went from the worst kid in the world to the best kid in the world change. It wasn't like there was some, you know, rap sheet that I had to just carry around with me and tell people, hey, listen, this is how I used to act when I was a, you know, pre-Jesus person. No, I was a kid that grew up in church, and then I one day recognized I wasn't a Christian, and then I realized that I needed Jesus in order to be a Christian, like, for real, for real, into the guts of who I am, to be this new person that God has created for me to be, the spirit needs to be inside me. Like I needed that information, I needed that inspiration, I needed that change to take place. And that story that I just communicated to you about my life is not that dramatic. And as a result for a lot of my life, I felt like change is something that is just not that big of a deal. It's not, it's just, it's incremental. It's not really noteworthy. It's not like Zacchaeus who went from a robber of people an ultimate getter of things from folks to an ultimate giver of things to folks. Someone who was the worst of the worst and now someone who, according to Jesus, is saved. And as a result, what I end up doing or what I've ended up doing in my life, and maybe you're with me with this, is that we feel like change is just not a part of our game. We feel like we just can't, or if it's so incremental, it's not that consequential, so we don't need to really remember and think through and process that God is changing us from the inside out. And as a result, when we get to these times in our lives where we've made some promises, we've made some hopes, we've made some plans, we've had some dreams, we've set some goals, and we don't align ourselves or those things just don't work out like we thought they would, we end up just being like, hey, well, I guess I'm just gonna be how I've always been. I just want you to roll how I've always rolled. But I'm telling you, with the story of Zacchaeus, and the Jesus that the Gospels communicate, we don't have to live in that space anymore. We can be someone who is about change and be okay with change, and be honestly looking for change, even if we're the type of person who doesn't like change. And I've got friends who say they don't like change, and I'm like, what? How do you not like change? Change is that thing that we all have to do. But even if for those folks in the house, Even the incremental things over a long period of time create a really, really big change when you really think about it, right? Little small steps of change over a long period of time allow for you to look back over the course of the change and say, wow, okay, God is doing something. God is up to something. Let me explain it this way. When Jesus has your heart, when Jesus has your heart, there is the potential for a dramatic change to take place on the outside, right? When Jesus has your heart, there's the potential for a dramatic change from who you are, from who you were outwardly. That is absolutely a a thing that can happen. It happened with Zacchaeus, it can happen with you. It might've happened with you. You might have a remarkable story. But what I know for a fact is this. When Jesus has your heart, there is the actual dramatic change on the inside from who you are, from who you were inwardly. Think about that. You might have this dramatic outward story that's like, oh wow, this is amazing. Let me go tell everybody. But on the inside, when Jesus has your heart, there is this actual dramatic change from who you are, from who you were inwardly, and we can hold on to that. We can be excited about that. And we can wake up every single day knowing that our God did something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. That He took care of our business from a spiritual sense when we absolutely were running in the opposite direction and yet our God rescued us, our God saved us. I mean, Zacchaeus was just wanting to get his eyeballs on Jesus. Jesus was wanting to move into, have a relationship with Zacchaeus. Jesus is always about trying to change people from the inside out. This is why he came some 2,000 years ago. I mean, Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians five seventeen: If anyone, if anyone is a new creation, I'm sorry, if anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. See, the new has come. That we have an opportunity every single day to approach our day with this mentality. That no matter what's come our way, what's coming down the pike, we don't care because in this day, we know that we are made new. We are brand new. That Jesus is doing a new thing in us each and every day and we don't have to reserve our joy and our excitement for the beginning of the year and then as the year kind of goes on, our joy and excitement about who we are in Christ or who we are as far as you know, goal setters and, and, and planners and preppers and all that kind of stuff, we don't have to just sell, settle it in and say, well, we're just gonna pick it up next year. That every single day, we have an opportunity for us to lean in because of who God is and what God has done. And if the scriptures are correct, and I believe they are, then anybody in the house who knows Jesus, you are brand new. The old, it's done. Who you were, it's over with. Each and every day you have an opportunity to lean into the newness that you have in Jesus. And for some of us in the house, you might be thinking, okay, so, so how can I continue to stay in this place where I can understand that change is a real thing, it's an everyday thing, it's not just a beginning of the year thing, it's something that I can embrace and I can be okay with and I can be fine with. I've got three things that I think are helpful for us if we really want to lean in, really wanna trust God at his word that he is in the change business. And the first one is this, for us to recognize God's pursuit of you. Recognize God's pursuit of you. Think about what he did to catch you, to get you. Think about where you were before you knew him. Think about where he is for you now. Friends, God loves you. God's coming after you in that I'm I'm with you. I want to help you. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you. I want to to know that that I'm in your corner and you're with me and you're my family. Like that's what God wants us to see and to hear every single day that we wake up and we go about our business in our day. Like this is what God wants for us to understand. But not only that, we need to reconnect with Jesus and what he did for us. That you need to reconnect with Jesus and what he did for you. Think about that Friday some 2,000 years ago, that man who was so much more than that, who hung on that cross for my sin, for my shame, for my guilt, and for yours as well. And to understand that he did that for you. And then on that subsequent Sunday, right, how he bust out of that grave, how the tomb door was blown off and he came out alive, conquering death once and for all. I mean, this is the business that God is in. He is changing. He is making all things new. And then lastly, we need, to, we need to consider. We need to consider the stuff that you think keeps distance between God and you. There's some things that you've been dealing with over the last three, four, five years, maybe. Maybe it's been a decade. Maybe it's more than that, that you think just keeps this gap between God and you. His love, his provision, his protection, his care. You think I've done too much I haven't done enough. And as a result, I feel like I can't really take the step necessary to grow, to change, to mature. But I want you to consider that and then understand that God is here to take that from you. That if you really will cast your cares upon him, he really will take those cares from you because he really does care for you. So as we lean into this, second weekend of the second month of a new decade, I want us to remember that man, God's coming after us to reconnect what Jesus has done for us and consider the things that we think are keeping us a distance from God that really aren't. Because if you look at the story of Zacchaeus, he had a rap sheet, a legit problem list of the things that he should not be a friend of Jesus because of and yet Jesus sought him out and said, no, 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 I want to be your friend. It changed everything for Zacchaeus. If you really begin to dig into your own life, your own story, Jesus did the exact same thing for you. He did the exact same thing for me. So when we read the story of Zacchaeus, we need to be reading it with eyes of of redemption, of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, of what God can do to anyone, to everyone, for those who put their trust and their hope in him that we have an opportunity each and every day to say and to see this incredibly crystal clear statement that's been all over the scriptures from beginning to end, and it's this, that God's making all things new. That's right. And that includes me, yeah. and that includes you. Yeah. God is making all things new. And if you can a- approach your Monday, your Thursday, the fourth Friday in July, with this statement in your heart, promise you your ability to grow, to mature, to change, to pick up those things that you want to do, whether it be getting in shape, whether it be eating better, relationships, readings, whatever it is that you have promised to do in January, or whenever it is you get geared up and fired up to start something fresh, you can hold on to those fresh things because you have the spirit of God inside you and because God is making all things new. So what would this look like for you? What would this look like for you? What would it look like if you decided, hey, today is gonna be a day that I'm gonna embrace the change that God wants to do in my life? If I'm gonna believe that the promises that I made, the hopes that I set out for at the beginning of 2020, I'm going to, even if I've stumbled and fumbled, even if I've dropped the ball, I'm gonna pick them up today because today is the day that we have to do the things that we believe that God wants us to do in our lives. If we really are tracking, really are wanting to grow, really are wanting to know more of God, then we should have that freedom to say, okay, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to do these things. And if you fall off at some point during the week, it's okay, you've got the next day. If the Lord blesses you with the next day to get up and try again. All too often, friends, we take the time out and we say, you know what? We just can't do this new thing, this change thing. We can't do this better thing because it it's just hasn't been working out. And we go back to being who we were, but I'm saying we don't have to do that because the God that rescued each and every one of us in the house who know Jesus is bigger than our failures, He's bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our our disconnects and our our drop balls and all the different things that we think keep us at distance or at bay from from growing and developing in our relationship with Jesus. So let's start fresh. Let's start fresh today on the promises you made at the beginning of the year. Let's start fresh today. Even if you've crumbled up that, that resolution list and you've, you know, shot that thing into the trash can, you can pick that up again, unroll that thing out, set it, smooth it out, and say, okay, I wanna take better care of myself. I wanna be a better husband or a father. I wanna be a better mother, a better wife, a better sister, a better employee, a better boss. I wanna do the things that I set out to do at the beginning of this year. I want to do this still, and by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, by the power of God, I can do that. And if tomorrow you don't feel like it, just remember, God is making all things new. And you have an opportunity the next day to pick it back up and go in the direction ultimately God is leading you. God is making all things new. And that includes me, and that includes you. Let's pray. Father, we... um. We needed the story of Zacchaeus in the texts so that we could be reminded that no matter where we go, where we've been, what we've done, that change is a real thing that can take place in our life, and that Jesus is about change. He's about redemption and rescue, that all of our sin, all of our shame, all those things that, that... we're not proud of. Jesus forgave us for those things. Jesus died in our place for those things. Jesus took his life back up so that we could know, God, that you want this relationship with us. Father, I pray that we will be a people Be a community of believers that Refuge Church will understand that, God, you are making all things new. That every day is a new opportunity to have a fresh perspective on change and how we can change and and do those things that we know will draw us closer to you. Do those things that we know will help us become a better uh, human being in the world around us. The world needs believers, Father, who embrace the change that you're wanting to do inside of them because the world needs to know of a God who loves them with no strings attached. So God, give us a courage. Give us a boldness. Give us a humility. Give us an understanding and just a settling of our hearts to know that, God, you want to work in our lives and you will. Zacchaeus is proof. And Spirit, settle us down in these moments when we have an opportunity to grow together. Allowing for us to understand that you are at work in the world. And you're doing something. Continue to ignite a fire in our hearts. Remind us, encourage us, inspire us to draw close to you even when it's tough. God, you're making all things new. And that includes me and that includes everyone in this room. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.